Luke chapter 1, verse number 78. It's part of a, a long prophecy or a long spiritual song that a very elderly priest by the name of Zechariah sang. Remember the story of Zechariah? He was in the temple. It was his turn, I believe it was, to do the incense. And he got interrupted by an angel. How many would like to get interrupted by an angel? Powerful. And you know the story, and he becomes the, the father of, of John the Baptist, and he struggles with it for a while, and he's struck dumb, and, and then he can't speak at all. And finally, when John is born to his very elderly wife named Elizabeth, his tongue is loosed, and he begins to give this prophetic song. And this song that he prophesied as soon as his mouth was opened is full of a theme, and that theme is mercy. All through that song you could read that word mercy. But when he gets to the end of the song, he describes that mercy with this word. It's verse number 78, through the tender mercy of our God. Listen to that word. Tender. Mercy. You read through that song that Zechariah prophesies and because of God's tender mercy, he does all kinds of things. In, the, in that song, he does great things for his people. He helps his servants. By His mercy, He keeps His promises. Because of His mercy, He remembers His covenant. Because of His mercy, He delivers from enemies. Because of His mercy, He gives knowledge of salvation. Because of His mercy, He remits sins. Because of His mercy, He visits people. Because of His mercy, He gives light to those that are in darkness. And because of His mercy... He guides our feet into the way of peace. Wow. Anybody here glad for God's mercies? Did you hear that list and that, that song that he prophesies and everything he does because of mercy? But then he sums it up, not just any kind of mercy, but God's mercy is called tender. Tender mercy. What does it mean, tender? If you could read Hebrew, which I can't, but I can read books by people who know Hebrew, the word for tender is very, very close in the Hebrew language for the word for womb, where a mother carries a child. The womb. Psalm 110 and verse 3, a fairly famous verse that says, Your people shall be willing in the day of your power, in the beauties of holiness, from the womb of the morning. That's an interesting phrase. The womb of the morning. That is a reference to the earliest light that gives rise to the dawn. 
when the first ray of light, it's coming from the womb of the morning. It's a picture for us, because if you want to look into the deepest recesses of God's heart, what will you find? What is he giving birth to? Everything that God does, he's giving birth What is it that's bringing forth birth and what is he birthing? Well, we just gave a list of all kinds of things he does. And it's the mercy, like a womb, that wants to give birth to all of these things. A powerful, powerful story. So this reference to the womb points to, in human human analogy, it would point to a, a very tender connection between a mother and the child that mother carries and develops within her womb. And while she carries and and that child's developing, a bond is creating. It's a special bond that you can't find anywhere else in nature, but the bond of a mother for the baby within her womb. If I was looking, if you were going to help me, what word? Is there one word that we can come up with that would adequately describe this bonding, this maternal instinct, this mother's connection with this baby within its womb. What word can describe, adequately express the depth of feeling or the deep connection that is in that maternal bond? What word is there? What, uh, is a mother full of self-sacrifice? Does the mother give up her life because of a child that is born? Is her whole life for the next 20 years or so wrapped around her children? She lives for the sake of others. Is self-sacrifice the right word to use or uh, compassion? The Bible uses the term bowels of mercy. Yearnings, does that describe the word? Heartfelt pity, does that describe it? Gentleness, does that describe it? Tenderness. When the Hebrew says tender mercies, it's trying to catch all of that imagery and all of that feeling. It's found actually in Isaiah chapter 49 and verse number 15. Where God says this, and listen carefully, Isaiah 49.15 says this, Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I, this is God speaking, I will not forget you. What if I told you this, but it's impossible for God to abandon you. good news. It is impossible for God to abandon you. This verse speaks of the intensity of feeling, but not only just the intensity, but the spontaneity of how a mother just reacts in her, in her heart and her soul. It speaks of that instinctive maternal desire to protect and care for her child. But God is saying, the mercy that I have is even of a more greater tenderness than that. Isn't that amazing? That, that God's mercy is greater than that. 
And the same thought is found in the book of Psalms, in Psalm 104, oh, sorry, 103, verse number 4 and, and verse number 13. The same idea, this time from the Father's side. It says, who crowns your life with loving kindness and tender mercies. I like that, don't you? Would you like your life to be crowned with loving kindness and not just mercy, but tender mercy? In verse 13 of the same chapter, as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those that fear him. That word pity, old King James English, uh, probably when we say pity today it means something different, but Old King James English pities, which means tremendous compassion, tremendous outpouring of, of heartfelt compassion. And yet, the tender mercy of God is even greater than that. It's brought out another time in, in, in a different relationship in the book of Genesis. Uh, Genesis chapter 43 and verse number 30 this is the story of Joseph, and he is the, the ruler there in Egypt, and his 11 brothers at this point have no idea who he is. And it's been some 20 years, 22 years since they have seen each other. But of all those 11 brothers, there's one younger brother to Joseph who share the same mother. The rest are half-brothers. And when he sees Benjamin for the first time in, in decades... Joseph has an emotional response to the whole thing. And try to imagine the emotion of the story. Because it says in Genesis 43:30, when he saw his brother Benjamin, it says this. Now his heart yearned. Now his heart yearned for his brother and Joseph had to make haste and find somewhere to weep because it was so overwhelming. Something rising. His heart had grown warm and his heart had grown tender at the sight of his brother. And he had this emotional response. Folks, that's the same Hebrew word, tender mercy. Tender mercy. So, question for you. If two brothers who shared the same womb came around the same womb, could have that kind of emotional response after 20 years of separation. Please tell me, what is the response of Jesus to you and me? His brothers and his sisters. You know, I think religion has done God a great disfavor in the sense of legalism and tradition and so forth, seems to create an image of God as stoic, unemotional, unfeeling, and a hard rock that has no emotion. Distant, far removed. Folks, I have an announcement for you. God feels things very deeply. I think I will say that again. 
God feels things very deeply. He is emotionally involved with you. He has feelings that are wrapped up in you. And those feelings that God has, what's the right word we can use? Bowels of mercy, tender, compassion. He's not stoic, but he's full of emotion. And he is full of healing. He's not unmoved, and he's not unfeeling. But the fact is, the the scripture tells us very clearly that God loves very deeply. And God is capable of great joy. But folks, the Bible says he's also capable of great grief. Capable of great joy. Capable of great grief. The God that you and I worship experiences both joy and he knows what it's like to be hurt. In other words, he's not without personality. He's not human. He's far above human. But I can understand him. The scripture reveals him as having emotional responses to his people. So when it talks about God's tender mercy, it means in the very bosom of God, he feels mercy very deeply. He's emotionally compelled by mercy, and he's emotionally moved by mercy. And those tender feelings towards people in the core of his heart drives him to give help, drives him to give comfort to anybody in distress. God feels very deeply. And for those who are not so fortunate in life, his bowels just move within his heart deeply and it drives him to give kind treatment. It drives him to deal graciously with people. When you read about this tender mercy, especially throughout the Old Testament, the revelation it brings is this. That feeling of compassion in him is he wants to bless you for your welfare. He wants to assist you. He wants to comfort you. He wants to help you. You you look at the scriptures that deal with tender mercy, and it means this nature of God, this this deep feeling compassion, doesn't allow him to be distant, but it demands that he gives people pardon. Oh, I like that. It demands that he gives people forgiveness. It demands that he bring restoration to people because of his tender mercy. Do you remember in the Old Testament story, we've made reference to this a few times the last couple of weeks, that the nation of Israel, instead of embracing the covenant, instead of embracing their purpose for their creation in the world, that they had this habit of consistently rebelling, not adopting God's purpose. And after so much of it, that they are given over to a Babylonian exile, a foreign exile, One of the most destructive stories, perhaps, in the Old Testament. Probably the saddest day in the nation of Israel. But even when 
this happens. Listen to the heart of God as his people are carried off into captivity. Listen to his heart because he still has mercy and he cannot afflict easily. Listen to Hosea chapter 11 and verse 8. As his people are given over to affliction. Listen to it. He says, how can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? My heart churns within me. My sympathy is stirred. Folks, that's an emotional response. Even when his people have to go into some sort of discipline and affliction, God is not unemotionally involved in this. has a tremendous emotional response to that. Even when affliction is necessary, the heart of God breaks and yearns for restoration and mercy. I mean, the, the, the prophets over and over, now I will bring back the captives of Jacob and have mercy on the whole house of Israel. His heart is always restoration because that's his nature. Aren't you glad that the Almighty God has mercy as his core value? Because nobody can oppose him, nobody can take him on, and nobody can defeat him. So I am so glad that the almighty, sovereign, all-powerful, omnipotent, omniscient, whatever word we want to use, that mercy is his core value. And he deals with us always with tenderness. Tender mercy. He said, in my wrath I struck you, but in my favor... I've had mercy on you. He says, I'm going to bring them back because I have mercy on them. They shall be as though I had not cast them aside, for I am the Lord their God and I will hear them. Listen to Micah 7, verses 18 and 19. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity, passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights. And mercy. That's good news. That is good news. Nobody, I suppose, in this room is unfamiliar with the story of King David, his adulterous affair with Bathsheba, and the murder of her husband to cover things up. Pretty horrible thing. And when David is exposed, to what can he appeal to in the heart of God? To what can he appeal to? Psalm 51, verse 1, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. I don't know if this is hyperbole or what, but having tender mercy is great enough, but God just doesn't have tender mercies. He's got multitudes of tender mercies. That's great. That's awesome. That is powerful. What an amazing thought. Folks, God is emotionally moved by our needs. God is emotionally moved by our weaknesses, our frailty. And He has an intensity of deep emotion within His own heart that can hardly wait 
to show his help, to show his goodness, even if we're the ones who caused him grief in the first place. That is the nature and the character of our God. Because of those bowels of compassion that he has, the scripture talks about his infinite gentleness, his consideration, his pity, his compassion, like a deeply feeling parent, but more than a deeply feeling parent. He acts out of bowels of mercies, his innermost being is compassion, and you can't find anything within him except loving kindness and mercy. That is his nature. Testimony of Scripture, Psalm 145, 8 and 9. The Lord is gracious. He is full, not just a little bit, but full of compassion. Full of compassion. He's slow to anger. And He's great in mercy. Boy, I'm glad it doesn't say He's great in anger and slow to mercy. But He's slow to anger and He's great in mercy. Let's get the adjectives in the right place here. Slow to anger, great in mercy. He is good to all and his tender mercies are over everything he does. His tender mercies over everything that he does. Folks, I'm just going to close it, believe it or not. How's that for short preaching? But you and I have hope to see revival. I'm going to say that again until I get a response. You and I have hope to see a great revival. We are not petitioning a stingy God. I'll say it again. We have hope to see a great revival and a great move of God in this land. And I'll tell you why. Because it says this in Psalm 119... And verse 156, it says, Great are your tender mercies, O Lord, therefore revive me according to your judgments. Our hope for true Holy Ghost, heaven-sent revival is based upon the fact that God's heart is tender mercy. That's what we appeal to when we pray. God, you're not willing that any should perish. God, man is made in your image. God, your bowels within you demand that you restore, that you pardon, that you heal, that you break through in people's lives. Lord, this is your character and this is your nature. I always love that story in the book of Genesis when Judah is on his face before the governor. Has no idea that it's Joseph that he's calling out to. But he begins to talk to that governor about his father, about how his father's heart is broken. And he basically says to the governor, not knowing that it's Joseph, you're, 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 you have a parent, don't you? You've got a father and mother, don't you? You, know, you wouldn't want to see their hearts broken. And he kept appealing to the emotional pull in that governor. That emotional pull in that governor. That he, he just kept, that intercession was aimed at his emotions. Until Joseph couldn't handle it anymore. Folks, when we pray, we pray the will of God, but we're praying and addressing His tender mercies, addressing His compassion, 
God, you're not willing any should perish, are you? You're merciful and you're compassionate. And because in intercession we appeal to this real heartfelt emotion that's deeper than a mother's attachment to his child carried in her womb. Deeper than that. Folks, we have great potential and great hope for revival. Because this is the nature of the one to whom we call out. Last verse. Even in the midst of seeming devastation. Let me go back for one more reference to Israel in foreign bondage. None of us can appreciate the, the shock of the destruction of Jerusalem. None of us can appreciate the destruction of the temple. None of us could appreciate the, the loss of the presence of the Spirit. The book of Lamentations, five chapters long, is exactly that. It's full of lamentations about the great sorrow the whole city is in because it's been destroyed by the Babylonians. But in the middle of the book, there is great hope. And you know why there's great hope? Because Jeremiah, who wrote Lamentations, knows what's inside the heart of God. You will recognize these verses. Lamentations 3, verses 22 to 24. You sing them. Great is your faithfulness. Your mercies. They are new. Every morning. Listen, he says, It is through the Lord's mercies. We are not consumed. Because His compassions, they fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. Therefore, the conclusion is, The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in Him. That's the God that we serve. Tender mercies, compassion, deep yearning of feelings for His people that does not allow Him to remain distant from us, but drives Him in acts of kindness and acts of compassion. That is our God. Tender mercies.